Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. Killing the game. Welcome into their episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this week's episode, we have Zach Day. So I just finished recording the podcast with Zach. Zach's the, the co-founder of Newt Force, which is force plates for pitchers. So they're force plates that are built into pitching mounds. Really cool stuff. I was able to um, have lunch with Zach a couple weeks ago, and we were able to talk about data and technology and force plates for several hours. And I thought having him on the podcast would be um, really, really cool. I think everybody would really enjoy it. And um, I think this episode we just got him recording was, was very, very interesting. Zach was a pitcher himself and made it to the major leagues, drafted out of high school in the fifth round, and, and talks a little bit about that journey. And then he was also one of the first um, employees at TrackMan for baseball and talks about um, what that was like, you know, starting in TrackMan years and years ago and, and just kind of where the, the game has unfolded and, and where he thinks it's going to go with AI and everything else. So if you like pitching and then you like technology, this is going to be the episode for you. So check this one out with Zach Day. This is the future. This is my time. I grind and shine. I put in the work and push the line. I'm holding my crown. All right, we now welcome on to the podcast, Zach Day. Zach, thanks for coming on, man. No, I appreciate it, Patrick. It's good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you you know, we, we had a, a pretty good conversation a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, I know you, with your background and, uh, you know, being having pitched in, uh, professionally and in the big leagues and, you know, being in technology for a really long time, I was uh, thinking on my, my ride over here, like one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you, because I, I think a lot about it and, you know, you see everything with the chat GPT and everything, but where, where do you think AI is, is going to come into play in baseball in the next few years? Like, do you think AI is something that's going to uh, impact the game at, at various levels? Or do you think that it's more so, yeah, it's going to be great for our everyday life and, you know, giving chat GPT prompts to write, um, essays for kids, but maybe not as much for the baseball realm. It's a good question. I, I've thought about it. Um, and I think we're on the, uh, it, for me, I can see a couple different paths of where it could start to enhance and, and really kind of help, at least from my experience. Um, I, I think for, speed and for ease of use I, I, and for individual uh, individualization, I think it's going to help. Right. So I think you're going to be a little bit more great be able to get a little more granular with the data and be able to say, Hey, this is my put the inputs and the outputs be able to be a little more granular. If you have the access to the data, then, and, and it's going to, I hope, I, I think it's going to allow more conversation initially, um, because it's going to uh, hopefully open up those conversations to those that might not um, feel comfortable to be able to, that could prompt something that might not feel comfortable being able to use it in that way in previous ways. They're going to be able to search quicker, get to the information faster as long as, I, I think as long as uh, the interesting part is that you can see the path to a lot of this is like, okay, if I have the information and let's take, we're using um ground forces or we're using uh, um your bio biomechanics or 
you take motion capture data and you take ground forces and you take what other inputs you want to put into it. Um, and so I think you're going to be able to put some inputs into it, say, Hey, what these, what were the best pitches that you had? And then kind of individualize, Hey, what were the results and what was best, what best came out of that? I, I think that's going to help us get, get closer to that individualization. At least I hope so. Anyway. When you look back and reflect back on your pitching career, like what were some of the changes you would have made knowing what you know now with all the technology and, and we'll get into kind of the, the ground force for pitchers yeah. and like that too. But I mean, um, I, feel like you're I, the I would say, yeah, for, yeah, for me, I, I've thought about this so I, I can backtrack a little bit with track man and try and, you know, I put myself in the shoes cause we didn't have the, we, I didn't have the data when I was playing, first of all, I'll back up and say we had VHS, right? So it was like, Hey, let's put in the tapes and do VHS. So when I, started with TrackMan in 2008 everybody's like you know oh you must be a, I wasn't I mean I was a information guy I wasn't a data like I was an information guy I had no idea what this information really I mean you can only hypothesize it like we do on a lot of this stuff but I, I didn't know I didn't have access to the information and, until we got into it so you know I'd always put myself in those shoes now when I was kind of getting the information be like okay I was a sinker ball pitcher uh, why was I, why did I induce so many ground balls? Um, I didn't have the data on myself, but I could tell you that I had a high release. Um, I created a, a plane that, uh, that was steep and, uh, I had a low spin and then that led me to Patrick that led me to like, okay, well, why did I have low spin? So I pick up a baseball and, and I realized that when I was throwing and gripping the ball with my two seams along the two seams, I, and this is kind of the exploratory piece that I love. I, I realized like, oh man, I actually don't release the ball and my pressure isn't on my fingertips. It's on my middle pads. So can you imagine trying when I'm, you know, you think about that, you're like, okay, how do you kill spin? Well, you're definitely going to be killing spin if you throw off your middle pads and not your fingertips. Right. Like, and so that was like, oh, so I had a high release. <laughs> I had low spin. And I created plane and I threw hard. So, I mean, I threw that sink and it created, I threw from the right side of the rubber. So you imagine that going straight down is what essentially I use my height to be able to create that, that, that access. What would I have changed? I would have played off that sinker. I would understand why it was effective and what my strengths were. And then I would have tried to develop off that sinker. Right. I, I would have had, a, I think my secondary repertoire. And then also I would have used, um, you know, the tall and fall method didn't work for me, right? Like it was like, oh, stay taller. Well, that necessarily wasn't the reason why I was getting the sink on my pitch, right? I didn't have to, I think it just hurt me. So there are certain aspects of like teachings that were just like, okay, these are a little bit flawed, but I definitely from a secondary pitch, I would have learned what best to play off that secondary pitch based off of that and how to attack hitters. And then I would probably mechanically, I would have, I would have definitely have been able to use my lower half and understand how I was using my lower half um, efficiently. Um, I probably was, I was late. So, you know, from the speeding up and slowing down, using lower half, breaking those type of things, I was flawed. Like there were certain things that, you know, I know I could have done better and just to create a more efficiency. Those are two ways that just jump out to me how I would I use this data to be able to hopefully prevent the injuries, but also in, improve my secondary pitches. So 
did you did you ever work with anybody when you were in high school because i know you were you know you were drafted out of high school so did you work with anybody or was it just hey just raw talent and didn't really know what you were doing so when i mean um the off season where we tra i trained a lot uh but then no i did not have a, a pitching coach in the off season it was myself yeah we would find we would find uh, other pitchers in the area in Cincinnati here, Patrick, and we'd try to find a, a space to be able to throw and find a mound and uh, find a catcher. But we did not, uh, there was not, there was not any, no data, no capture, just uh, get loose and long toss and, and, and get off the mound and try and, you know, ex you're exploring. A-B testing, essentially. Hey, did that work? All right. No, it didn't. That didn't work. So, yeah. It's well, crazy how crazy how it's changed, right? It's oh, I know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you think about this more than me because you play in the big leagues of just how much better just you could have been um, at such a younger age. But why why did you decide out of high school? Like, what? Here, let me ask you another question: Would you ever let your kids sign out of high school, knowing what you know about professional baseball? Uh. If there's a certain number in the first round, yes. Mm. Beyond that, it would be a harder decision. Okay. And I think it's uh, it's a combination of, of a few things, and I wouldn't even say it's NIL. But I would say, obviously, it does factor in. But um, I think it's the challenge of professional baseball at a young age. It's the advancement at the power five schools and to, and, and, and the coaching and the development, the facilities that they have um, going into pro ball at 17, 18 years old and making those bus trips and playing in the middle, middle of nowhere and living, you know, staying out of the hotel for it, you know, it wasn't easy. It was actually, you know, and then um not to say it needs to be easy, but it just wasn't. And then I think that even the add a, another layer on to that is, you know, you have to work after it's, there's very, even though there's, there's, there's a number of us, a small, small number of us to make it. There's an even smaller number that actually um, can, can finish up. And, and really like, if you finish up at 27, you're going to want to find something else to do and just, just to be able to, uh, you know, you have a next chapter in, in your life. So I think from that standpoint, that transition is another reason why it just, it's hard. Like you have to really think about that transition piece coming out of professional sports, going into the real world of like, Hey, what am I going to do after professional sports? I love the fact that they're actually thinking about this because it did Patrick, it didn't happen while we were playing, I actually, you had to like be very proactive, but now you see with social, like, that's one advantage that, you know, I see with like with LinkedIn or with social media, like that you can really start to figure out what you want to do after your career and you can get, be proactive on that. That's one thing I wish I would have, you know, had as I was going up the access to a lot of that stuff. So I'm, I'm excited. So that, that does make a case like, Hey, look, you can potentially do it, but it's not easy. Yeah. Tough choice. I, I probably, you know, if I would, I, they get asked this question. If I, so I was a fifth round draft pick for the Yankees. Um, 
and I was signed to go to Clemson. And um, I would have today, if it was today, I would have went to Clemson at fifth in the fifth round. Like my choice would have changed back then. I don't think, you know, I'm not, I'm happy with my decision probably would have made the same decision, but today at day and age, having seen what I've done and been around, I probably would have went hmm. to school. Interesting. Did you, uh, did you feel like since you didn't have that college degree, that, that transition, as you referred to it, like, it was like, man, I got to figure out something in baseball because I don't, that's all I've, I've ever really ever done. A, a little bit there's always that sense like hey it's easier you know find something that but I went back to school I got my four-year degree even signing out of high school so um it's never too late from that standpoint I think the access also I think it was tougher we didn't have the online classes from that's from from when I was playing but um yeah I mean I've, but it, yeah it does it factors in it's like okay am I going to restart it's I liken it to somebody that's gone to med school and you or become a lawyer and you're three years in and you finally are getting settled in and then they rip it away. Right. You're at the highest peak of the highest level of highest level. And now somebody tells you, hey, look, by the way, you got to find another profession. You can't you can't practice anymore. So it's a it's a it's a it's a gut check. Right. Like so um, I, I feel for those that are in that position uh some stay in the baseball space because it's known and that's what they love that's what they grow up and they love doing it um but i think they're hopefully they're starting to do a little better job but yeah i would say that that's that that can factor into it for sure you want to stay in sports or you're kind of that knowledge that's a, that's a comfort level and that's a, you know got that you have that connection um when i pick up the phone and make a call i can you know i i traveled to japan um the language barrier, uh, you know, I was open up with TrackMan, uh, talking baseball, even though there's a language barrier, the communication was actually rather easy uh, because of the baseball background, because of the baseball family, uh, we were able to connect and make those connections. So it made that a lot easier, even though the language barrier was tougher. So that does, there is some comfort in that. You were at TrackMan for a long time. Like what, what, were, what, what are some takeaways that maybe people wouldn't think about um, that you experienced when you were at TrackMan? Uh, it took a long time. <laughs> uh, it was harder than, than what everybody probably thought it was. Uh, <laughs> everything goes slower than what you expect. Um, I would say that we were probably pretty close to shutting down the baseball side of things before it finally took off. Really? Uh, it's really not, it's not easy to, to, to get, people to change and to think about things differently in that realm so that's one of my biggest takeaways was like oh everybody's gonna get it you know oh yeah this is gonna be great data you know it's yeah not everybody it's it's it's, it's always harder than what you think it's gonna be so i think that was that and uh you know it was i, I saw it as i always knew that the information was going to be valuable it took a lot longer and, and I'm surprised the education piece I think has been actually undervalued. Like it's been a good education piece. Cause I think about it from the hitting side, Patrick, I think about it, like it's been talked about, you know, matching the plane of the pitch. And one of my, one of my things that I, you know, early on with TrackMan that I saw very early on was the plane of the pitch and how a flat fast. And I call it flat. It's probably not the wrong steep flat. I call it, 
flat plane, steep plane, but that was jumped out so early to me. And like, but that's what been talked about. Like if you read books about the, you know, about hitting it's, it's, Hey, look, it's been around. We just bring light, light to education. The information is now there. And I think that that's the biggest, I think, change that we have. So it's called information overload. And, you know, that's our job to be able to kind of weed through that. So, yeah. Simplify it. Well, yeah. one of the, one of the reasons I, I thought having you on would be a lot of fun is, you know, I've, I've messed around and I've, you know, I've done some research on force plates for hitting. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know a ton about the force plates for pitching and, Obviously, you have a company called, you know, Newt Force and, you know, you're the co-founder of that company. And and so I was like, man, I, I want to learn a little bit more about this. I think this is interesting stuff. Um, you know, from the hitting standpoint, I'm always looking to see if we can steal anything from the pitchers who are usually ahead of the hitters, it seems. But uh, why get into force? Like, why get into force plates for pitchers? Like, what was your thought process behind that? Yeah, so I back up. Les Johnson and I met each other at DBU. Um, he brought in TrackMan. We had awesome conversations over the years, um, just on the information. And and I've always kind of, you know, okay, the input and the output, right? So your input is is ground forces, your movement profile, what you're doing to create the output. We didn't have that. I, you know, it was kind of like, okay, you had your release point. Um, so I was always very interested in the, in the, in the input and what created the velocity, what created the, 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 you know, what created the look command, what created a lot of things, the efficiency, why was somebody else, you know, why was somebody more efficient and just looked like they were throwing easier than somebody else? Like, you know, those are always, you know, again, that goes back to the exploring kind of trying to figure things out and kind of the why of, of what they're doing. So that's, you know, Wes introduced me to Kyle as my co-founder and uh, you know, we just decided to try and, Hey, look, I don't know if it's crazy or not, but we try to commercialize it. And then the pandemic hit and COVID hit and uh, probably timing wasn't, wasn't awesome, but we just, I just felt like, you know, Hey, there was an opportunity to empower the coaches. Uh, there were some things that we, we saw and some value that we had. And, um, you know, that was a big reason why I, I wanted to jump in as far as getting that information to the coaches. It's something that I enjoyed in the track man side was empowering the coaches and being able to see them grow and, and, uh, being able to help them in their career and the players ultimately. But, uh, that was a big reason, reason why. And, you know, in the hitting side, you know, I, I, yeah, I look at my golf game and I try and, go on the pitching side it's the same thing it's it's kind of that weight shift or getting that weight and our leg it's back leg to the pitching side to the front leg and you know how do you transfer the force and you know how much force are you generating and you know um in my golf game I was too far ahead um I think last couple of times I played so you know, my, my head and my body's out in front of my front leg and, you know, my hands are behind and I can't catch up. So, you know, it's the same thing with the pitching. You look at, you know, the hand is almost that club head. Um, if you get too far, you get too far, you can't stop and you can't, you know, stop the brakes, put the brakes on them. We call them, we can't decelerate. Then look, you're going to be late. You're going to be timing's going to be off. A lot of things are going to be off. So it's being able to, you know, understand what that player can do, how they can move, how they can stop. You know, there's a lot of things that go involved, but that energy transfer and that, 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 that information was, I think, exciting for me to be able to say, oh man, you know what? It's just, 
what was really exciting or it's twofold and, and, and there's a lot of things that are exciting about it but one of the things that i loved is that one thing uh one thing one change one you know one little thing can take a player from potentially you know potential to making it and it happened to me so i can say that right it was just a grip change i would have never made it if i didn't start throwing that sinker um, it was just grabbing the ball with literally two seams. And I think you can say the same with somebody that's not using the lower half. I mean, you might find that one or two, three guys, you know, that they're like, oh man, he, he just, you know, he's strong. He just doesn't time it right. And it just, and it clicks. And then there you go. You got another, you know, few, three miles an hour on it and hopefully they make it right. So that's, that's the exciting part is just, just one change. Something that hits, hits home can really make an impact. So. Is there anything that you saw with the um, with the nude force when it comes to, um, you know, just ground force pressure that was just like surprised you or like was there anything that was like kind of like an aha moment for you when you started really testing a lot of pitchers on it? What were, what were some of the initial findings that that maybe changed the way you viewed training pitchers or maybe it was what the coaches were telling you as feedback as as what they were finding yeah so i would say and it's maybe not it's maybe more the the information and, and it's how we think about it it's kind of like spin and be able to measure spin it's like it just changes how we kind of bucket things and how we think about spin and how to use it uh, one of the things that was was interesting was the back leg um, however you create it it's for me, I, I broke it down and I kind of look at the, the graph that we can see the forces that are created. And this is forces pushing towards second base and everybody creates those forces a little bit different. Obviously there's a, there's a minimum amount of force that we have to create to throw a certain velocity, but um, it was more that it's not a jump, right? It's, it's a, it's a drift and then, and then you're driving in and then all of a sudden you got to just, and then it's one that rotates and have, you know, those three phases, um, as opposed to like, Hey, I'm just going to just get force. So it's a, it's like a, it's a grad, it's a progression and really kind of honing in on that progression, I think is, is a one thing it's not, it's the total force and you need time to build up force. So that's, that's one thing that sticks out is like, Oh, when I started, I'm like, yeah, create more force. You got to time the force and you got to create it, create it efficiently and effectively. So that, that was one thing. And then the, the brakes, um, when you slam on the brakes, it helps the rota rotational and, and there's different ways to slam them on. There's different, different guys and different, different methods to be able to slam it, but you have to stop. Um, you have to be able to stop those. And, um, I think that was one of, and the value of that from a rotational standpoint was one of the things that kind of has jumped off. Um, if you're not efficient at breaking, um, or stopping, then you're going to, you know, you're not going to be as, as effective um, when it comes to that. So those are, there's little, little cues that you would expect, but they're kind of little nuances in that just, again, it goes to the education piece that I think it's helps that education and that teaching is, you know, Hey, you know, the coach, the coach, it goes back to the coach saying, Hey, use your, you got to use your lower half more. Like, what does that mean? Like when I was getting cut, you know, we want you to use your legs. All right. Well, what does that mean? Like I, that's the, that's the, Oh, what does that mean? And, you know, that's the cool part of, of what we're seeing. So remember you uh, telling me about med balls and doing some med ball drills to, to help improve that. Like what, what exactly are there certain drills that you think help improve 
put like guys put on the brakes or like what 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 is the purpose for guys doing a lot of med ball stuff? So we're testing out again. This I we're practicing. You know, they call it practicing medicine. Uh, we're kind of practicing training, right? We're all practicing training in a way. So we're practicing using, and one of the things we're trying to do is, is, is use med balls. But one of the advantages that we're trying to see, and this is Will and Kyle down at, we have an R&D center down in Little Rock um, that we, you know, locally, there's some teams that use it. Um, but we're testing out some implementation. One of the things that med ball allows us to do is that, to be able to test the lower half efficiency without being necessarily ramped up for pit for throwing which is nice because um not every time during the season can you get but you can get on and throw some med balls so uh we're looking at multiple ways and will will was down at lsu with wes as the assistant strength and conditioning coach so we're testing different ways to be able to improve it with some high school teams down there initially um initial results have been actually really solid as far as just building up and ramping up but what we've done is individualize some will be that back leg some will be the brakes we've individualized based off the mound and they put together a sampling and assessment uh, of what med ball program based off of what you need brakes you need to accelerate we need you to move move a little bit faster so there's the, the concoction that they they put together to start to say so everybody they just did it with five five pitchers recently it was a six to eight week program um and then the results have come back and they've come back well, right? Just, just say, and every program was different for each individual pitcher. It wasn't the same program because they didn't have the same inefficiencies, right? So you have to look at, um, you know, how they move and how they develop. So we're trying to hone in and enhance. It's not like you, had, you know, enhance what the coaches are already doing uh, to really focus on that lower half. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're seeing a good kick up from uh, your average VLO and and just peak below just in the six to eight weeks just developing that lower half efficiency biggest difference between the best pitchers who have thrown on on it versus just average pitchers like i know there's been some of the best pitchers in the world yeah. who have thrown on the mound um anything are you that you're able to share yeah i would say if you look at some of the top guys um uh, they just, they create and they stop, they create, they accelerate. They do the combination of three different ways that some of them do it, but they all do something really, really well, like exceptional, whether it's getting into it and building up that energy in that back leg to breaking. Um, they just get that force. They, they have a higher, higher force and then they use it and they rotate. So we measure something that's called, a Z transfer that gives a little hint into the rotation on how fast they move as well. And they time that really, really well. So that if you look at your hand as the club head there, you know, those forces are coming out um, just before that hand is getting ready there and, and then releasing the ball. So that peak, that break force and those things are timing up really well. So they do the combination of the energy flow. And it just makes it look easy, right? The guys that are looking, you know, you know, guys that are looking like hey, he's not even losing his lower half and you get on the mound, you're like, oh, my gosh, he's through the roof as far as creating forces. Um, there's some that's what can be deceiving with the mound, too. You're like you see some of the guys that just look like they're using X max effort and there's some, some guys are just kind of getting in and using it doesn't always translate to the force on the ground. Right. Like it's just, you know, but you see the guys that have the easy below that are the efficient and you look at their forces they're creating like oh my gosh i can't believe this guy creates this much force 
and energy and this times it up this well. So that's, I would say that the, the really elite movers, they, they also do one other thing. And I think this is an interest that we'll kind of keep an eye out, but they drop their weight. Um, in the back leg, they drop their weight when their leg lift their leg, they drop their leg, they relax and they kind of build that energy going down the mound. So um, I won't get into detail on that, but we're seeing some, some correlation with, with, with that as well. So. Which is is there cool. something to do with their with how much a pitcher weighs? I mean, is there like a threshold in terms of like, hey, for you need to be at a certain weight, or does it not matter at all when it comes to how your how your measurements? I are think weighing? Randy was uh, his his thing was one eighty. I think it's kind of that one eighty was you know once it's over that, um, we measured a couple different ways. We look at it uh, and we we look at the ratio to take off, take out the weight, to be able to say how you're moving and how you're creating force compared to anybody. Uh, and then we also use the, both, we use your weight to be able to see that, but about, you know, that 180 is 180, uh, 80, 180 is kind of that benchmark to where if you're, you know, getting to that point, you need, you need some, uh, some force, but yeah, it, it does. The weight does matter. So. You guys ever going to get into hitting? Uh, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I think we always like to explore if the opportunity presents itself that we feel like we could help uh, and really play, make an impact on the on the hitting side um, and help coaches with with some of the things that we're working on and give them the information. Part of what we do and um, and do well is is returning that information in a way that's simplified and, and that they can use in, in in their own space from a pitching standpoint. Um, so yeah, if, I I think I'd like to. I think we find a, a space to be out that, that it makes sense. Um, we could potentially see that um, if we feel like we can enhance and, and really kind of give the coach something that they don't have. How many teams, facilities, et cetera, players are, are currently using the mound? So we have uh, eight MLB teams right now. Uh, we have a few teams with multiples um that are using it throughout to train i call it train where they train uh in a way they're training lower half and training forces um using this and um the sec we have seven seven teams now that are seven programs we're going to be delivering to our seventh here shortly um and then we just get, we just landed a couple acc teams so we're growing on the college side. There's a lot of interest. Um, a lot of our interest comes because it is coach friendly. Um, the information comes within two or three seconds. You're getting it very similar to what you'll see the reading. So you can, you know, you can get that information along with sync video. Um, and what you see uh, from a data standpoint with what you see with your eyes, um, that replay again, um, you know, when we started on the track man side, really kind of helping out the coaches when we get that information, that players get that information to their hands quickly, um, it did make a big impact. So, Where do you foresee like yourself going with Nude Force in the future? Like what are other, is it at this point, like where you like, you feel like you got the product where you want it um, and now it's just getting the word out more than anything else? Or do you feel like you can, you have a vision for like things you want to continue to do with it. I think it's going to be driven, Patrick. I think it's going to be driven by the, 
by their quest uh there are we've already had some things in the pipeline a couple of the things would be like hey we're gonna we're working and try and pulling in some base some ballistics or ball data um we're looking at a couple other things to enhance the video um but we're really leaning on uh, the coaches right so um we have a vision to help our vision is to help the coaches and that's really going to be dictated we have some ideas on how we might be able to do that but ultimately they're going to be they're going to be the ones that tell us you know we can use this as, and this is going to help us. Uh, so we kind—I kind of take that that approach um, to be able to say, "Hey, where's the biggest impact that we can have?" Um, and we're really, you know, we're not on the field, right? We're not in the game. Where's the biggest impact that we can have on a day-to-day basis when it comes to the training side of things? And that's, you know, there's there's definitely going to be some opportunities to do some things, um, and really the coaches. We, we, we lean on the coaches for sort of from, for some direction and some help when it comes to that. Gotcha. Zach, yeah. appreciate you coming on today, man. It's been a lot of fun. No, I appreciate it, Patrick. I uh, enjoyed it and uh, look forward to having some more conversations for sure.